0: Chapter Twenty Nine of The Child of the Moat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Child of the Moat by Ian Bernard Stoughton Holborn. Chapter Twenty Nine A Tale of a Tub. It was a beautiful late-autumn day, and the sun was shining on the moat, and the old walls of Holwick. Some few weeks previously, news had arrived in that remote corner of the death of Queen Mary and the accession of Elizabeth, and Audrey was sitting, as she often did, in the bay-window of Mistress Mowbray's bower, looking down toward Middleton, when four riders and a pack-horse were seen approaching the gates audrey had noticed their coming and as they drew nearer she recognized two of them and ran eagerly out to meet them oh how i have hoped for you to come she said and somehow i knew it would not be long before you were here ian dismounted and helped his sister and eileen to alight while the serving-man took the horses eileen was in perfect health but ian was still worn and thin she had not been long in recovering, but he had hovered between life and death for some time. "'This is the Lady Shiona, Ian's sister,' said Eileen. Audrey came forward a little shyly, but Shiona said, "'Oh, I have heard so much about you,' and kissed her warmly. Audrey then flung her arms around Eileen as though she would never let her go. "'You must not leave Ian in the cold.' said Eileen, no indeed i should think not exclaimed audrey why if it were not for him you would not be here at all and she held up her face to be kissed she is getting too big to be kissed is she not said ian not at all said Eileen. you kiss me that is a different matter said ian laughing as he kissed audrey you are my ward you see although master richard and his wife were by no means pleased at the political change they were delighted that it had brought their young visitor and mistress eleanor greeted her with an unusual show of affection she had been long enough falling under Aileen's spell but the conquest was complete and resulted in the redevelopment of a side of her nature that had practically lain dormant since a charming girl of sixteen master richard had met her in york and against all the wishes of his parents had insisted on marrying her she had become more human and more anxious to please and gradually won the esteem and even love of her servitors and the people of holwick Eileen introduced her escort and while they were being shown to their rooms she went and found elspeth elspeth wept tears of joy over her, and said, Now, Henny, I shall be able to die happy. I thought the sunlight had gone out of my life forever. They had a long talk, and in the afternoon she went down with Elspeth to the Arnsides. Janet seized a stool and dusted it for the young mistress, and John, who was just outside the house, came in. Oh, John, Eileen said, I can never repay you or thank you enough. It is no use my trying to put my thanks into words. What I did was nothing, he said. But if you had not done it, the Duke of Oaknill would never have come, and I should have been lost. No one who knew you, Mistress Eileen, could have done less. THE TIME SEEMED ALL TOO SHORT TO THE ARN SIGNS WHEN Aileen TURNED TO GO. I SHALL ASK COUSIN RICHARD TO LET US STAY HERE FOR AT LEAST A MONTH, SHE SAID, EVEN IF I DO NOT COME BACK HERE TO LIVE. I AM GOING TO TEACH YOU TO READ, JOHN, AND I HAVE BROUGHT YOU THIS. AND SHE PRODUCED A BEAUTIFULLY BOUND COPY OF THE SCRIPTURES WHICH SHE HAD BOUGHT FOR HIM WITH ALL THE MONEY SHE HAD LEFT john was confused with gratitude and aileen fled leaving him an opportunity to recover by himself she had had a long talk with ian in which they had decided that it was right that master mowbray should hear the whole story and be told about the secret room as after all it belonged to him so that night she secured the little book and took it up to her old room with audrey as they were undressing aline took off the ruby pendant which she was wearing concealed beneath her simple costume oh how lovely exclaimed audrey diamonds and pearls and what a marvellous ruby but aline you have no right to wear this i feel a little doubtful but ian says it is all right as at present i am in the position of his ward and in any case i am scots and not english but if you are father's ward then you will count as english anyway i shall not wear it in public so it does not matter your luck has come at last eileen just fancy you're wearing diamonds and pearls like a duke's daughter but you deserve to be lucky after all you have been through i would not go through what you have been through for all the luck in the world you beautiful lovely thing audrey had by this time begun combing eileen's hair why eileen she said your hair is not quite so long as it was oh i forgot to tell you said eileen and she told her all about the cutting off but it has very nearly grown again it has been extraordinarily quick yes you are beautiful audrey went on look at that hair look at that neck look at those perfect ears do not be silly audrey yes said audrey not heeding and the luck is not over yet you will be married very soon Eileen blushed be quiet audrey "'But you are far too beautiful and charming and good to be left long unmarried,' said Audrey, embracing her impulsively. "'Come, let us get into bed and sit and study the book.' "'So Eileen read to the end and discovered that it explained how to open the great iron chest. "'The next day they managed to leave Shayona and Mistress Mowbray, "'and Eileen, Audrey, and Ian took Master Mowbray into the library.' they sat in the great window seat and eileen read out of the little book and told the story of their adventures which was frequently supplemented by audrey and ian richard mowbray was again entranced and he thought eileen's new tale even more wonderful than mallory when she had finished they all went down to the secret room and master richard asked hundreds of questions about all their experiences they examined everything and explored the secret passage to the cave and back but there is still one thing that we have to do said Eileen, and that is to open the great iron chest and see what is inside i have only just discovered how it is done and there is a good deal that requires doing first but listen to this exactly under the middle of the great oriel window of the library the book says that a foot and a half below the water in the moat is a chain made of links of greenheart wood so as to withstand the wet, and at the end of that is a large round ball also of greenheart, and embedded in it with pitch is the great key of the iron chest. I have been thinking how to get it, and if the chain has not rotted and we do not have to dredge for the ball i think i might go a sailing for it in a tub which would be fun we might see to that this afternoon and then open the chest to-morrow you will probably upset said audrey but as you can swim like a fish that will not matter but i shall laugh to see you tumble in you bad girl said Eileen, and chased her around the room well i am going to try anyway after dinner master richard went and ordered two of the men to bring a great tub from the laundry while Eileen went upstairs and changed her things putting on a pair of boys trunks she then threw a cloak about her and came down the tub was rolled round till it was opposite the window and then Eileen insisted that the serving men should go away Aboard hastily thinned down at one end made a sort of rude paddle and with shrieks of derision from audrey the others held the tub and eileen cautiously got in and squatted tailor wise on the bottom they all laughed so much that they nearly upset the tub at the outset eileen then started on her perilous voyage but the tub being circular every time she took a stroke with the paddle it simply st- Fun round and round those on the bank held their sides with laughter but the more they laughed the more confused Eileen became she tried taking a stroke first one way and then the other this was not quite so bad but the tub revolved backwards and forwards like a balance wheel try little short strokes pulling the paddle towards you shouted ian when the laughter had a little subsided this answered somewhat better and the tub slowly made its way across but with many vagaries and strange gyrations at last she reached the wall right under the great projected corbel of the window and very cautiously putting down her arm she felt the chain hurrah she shouted i have it but she spoke too soon as she pulled the chain the tub overbalanced and eileen tumbled head first into the moat audrey collapsed altogether at this and rolled over on to the grass ian however for the moment took it seriously and was going to jump in but audrey seized one of his ankles to stop him and laughed still more till the tears ran down her cheeks you'll kill me you two she said as Eileen's head appeared above the water with long green weeds hanging in her hair, Eileen swam to the chain and found that the ball was very heavy. She then righted the tub. Get in, get in quickly, shouted Audrey mischievously. And Eileen, without thinking, made the attempt with the result that the tub lifted and turned over on her like an extinguisher. Audrey was convulsed. You little mischief said ian and picked her up and held her out over the water at arm's length but she only laughed the more eileen meanwhile again righted the tub and then shouted to the others to bring an axe audrey refused to go she said she must wait for the end of the performance so master richard ran and called one of the men who brought the things required while he was gone eileen with difficulty got the ball into the tub she then swam across for the axe and taking it over she cut the chain threw the axe in with the ball and pushing the tub before her swam back to the other side you will be getting to know this moat said audrey as ian pulled eileen all dripping up the bank this is your third adventure in the moat since you came she then went up and changed her clothes and joined the others in the solar. There she found that Father Lawrence had just arrived. He was looking worn and worried, but the smile lit up his face as Eileen came in. The old man's hand trembled as he laid it on her head. "'You are growing tall, my child. We shall soon see you a woman.' I have just arrived with some strange and horrible news, which I have been telling my lord of Oakhill. You remember old Mole of the Graves, Eileen? Yes, father. She's dead, my child. I saw her a few minutes ago on my way up. She was lying at the foot of the crags. Eileen shuddered. We cannot leave the poor creature there, he continued can you let me have a couple of men master richard and would you mind her lying here for the night i will arrange for the funeral to-morrow certainly said master mowbray and he arose and accompanied father lawrence twenty minutes later aline and ian were crossing the courtyard and saw the bearers carrying the body on a hurdle into the room below the granary ian at once drew eileen away in another direction that she should not see the horrible sight he had caught one glimpse of the face and it was enough it was the same as he had seen in his awful vision in the fire the terrible grin the blood trickling through the teeth come away little one let us go elsewhere he said after all was quiet again Thomas Carluke walked stealthily across the quadrangle and entered the room where the body lay. A sheet had been placed over it, but he drew it aside. The grin on the face seemed to mock him. Aha, he said, you fooled me twice, you old wench, but you will never do it again. You need not laugh at me like that. I have cleared my score with you now. "'Did you not tell me that you would get rid of the child?' "'And they got her out of the moat. "'Did you not tell me she would be burnt? "'And now Queen Mary is dead, and there are no more burnings. "'You miserable worm, what was the good of your hate? "'You were no better than Andrew, no better than Father Ambrose. "'Pah! You defied me just now on the crags, did you?' Well, here you are, and I would do it again. Oh, it was so easy, one little push. Ha! You still mock? No, you cannot hurt me. No, no, he repeated apprehensively. You are dead. You cannot come back. I will not believe it. The devil has your soul, but I must go. Must go. He drew the sheet over the body again and went out fool he said to himself what am i afraid of fool i say meanwhile aline was walking with audrey through the garden i am glad the horrible old thing is gone said audrey are not you it seems so dreadful to say so aline answered but i cannot pretend that i am sorry she always seemed to me a sort of evil influence a spirit of discord and hate yes said audrey slipping her arm round eileen's waist just as you are the spirit of love don't be foolish audrey besides i do not believe that any one could love everybody no but need you hate them come now did you hate old maul i do not know somehow she seemed too mean too petty and spiteful to hate "'You could not fight her exactly. "'She was not worth fighting, so to speak. "'But I always felt,' said Audrey, "'that behind the old woman, "'not in the old woman herself, "'was a power of evil and hate, "'a great power that could be fought.' "'Oh, yes, quite so. "'I think there are things to hate.' i do not believe in sickly sentiment but that poor wretched old woman in herself was rather a thing to be pitied than hated and now that i come to think of it i never did meet any one really to hate what about thomas that is just a case in point said eileen i despise him pity him but one would lose one's own dignity in hating such a poor thing now if one could find some one really strong really great and wicked one could hate them but no one of that sort has ever come my way have you thought of father martin i do not hate him i was afraid of him and i did not think him altogether a good man but in the main he seemed to act up to his lights father austin i might have hated perhaps but i do not know enough about him there is someone over there that i love she said suddenly as father lawrence appeared at the other end of the garden i think he is the best man i have ever seen better than ian asked Audrey. i do not know and it is impossible for me to say dear ian i used to feel that there was something weak about him but i think i was wrong the wonderful thing about him is that he is developed on every side it is true that we have mainly seen the softer side and also for a great part of the time he has been ill but i keep discovering new things in his character in any case he has a far more difficult position than father lawrence i should think that really it would be a much easier thing to retire from the world like a priest than to try and make oneself a more complete and fully developed being and remain in the world and after all the world would cease to exist if we were all priests and nuns to live the worldly life is certainly the lowest and to come out of the world is higher than that yet i am not sure that there is not something harder and higher still and i believe ian has done it but here comes father lawrence the children ran to him, and the three walked round the garden together. It was a rare picture, the fine tall figure, slightly bent, and the wonderful spiritual face, an epitome of the glory of age, and the two exquisite children, just approaching the threshold, on the other side of which they would soon reach the mysteries of adult life after they had talked for some time audrey asked how do you suppose father that mole met her death i cannot say my children she may have fallen over by accident but master richard thinks that she threw herself over you know little girl how she hated you he said turning to Eileen. and she must have been bitterly chagrined that everything had gone so well for you perhaps he is right but let us speak of other things.' He stopped, and for a time no one said anything at all. Then, moved by some motive that he could not explain, he went on, "'Children, I shall soon have to bid you farewell.' "'Oh, why?' they both said in a breath. "'I do not know what prompts me to tell you, Mistress Eileen,' he said. "'Eileen started.' It was the first time he had ever addressed her like that, and the old man continued. I have not yet said anything to anyone else, even of the old faith, and I know, child, he went on, dropping into the more familiar manner, that you are not of us, so why should I tell you a mere child and a heretic? He lingered on the word regretfully. I am unable to say the queen's grace is minded that there shall be an act of uniformity of this realm and that the prayer-book of fifteen fifty two shall be reaffirmed it liketh me not and i shall not subscribe and therefore shall lose my benefice i had hoped to end my days in middleton but it cannot be and i must if he be willing take up my abode with my nephew it will be a sore grief to me after all these years but my work is done and i must not repine one thing i child i would say and that is this thou mindest how i have ever told thee that the light must overcome the dark and so has it been with the machinations of that poor evil woman so hath it been with you not that it will be ever so with things temporal, but it will be so in the world of the unseen and eternal. But farewell, my child, and I must go. Benedicata vos omnipotenza Deus in nomina potrissa et fili et spiritus sencati. Amen. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen when he had gone audrey said how unjust is it that father ambrose will remain and that father lawrence should go how so said eileen have you not heard father ambrose hath said that he will subscribe to anything that will keep his place and he is the very man who persecuted you in the name of the church what a scoundrel said eileen i had liver see father lawrence the catholic than father ambrose the protestant hold his own protestant though i be i must see if the duke may not be able to do something though he be not of this realm now that queen elizabeth's grace hath come to the throne he hath many friends who are right powerful in this land "'Father Lawrence is an old man, and will not be long in this life in any wise. Methinks it will not be a hard matter. "'I hope you will succeed,' said Audrey, "'and I shall do my best with Master Richard, that Father Ambrose be moved. "'Whatever dishonest shifts he may practice.' They had reached the door that led into the garden. "'Come, Audrey, the afternoon is spent, and it is time for supper.' End of chapter 29